Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. We're going to jump into the Word this morning. Let's go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We've been talking over the last few weeks about being desperate for God. We've been talking about God moving, God doing something great, God increasing His anointing upon us. Last week we talked about you know, David killing Goliath, and you, every one of us needs stones in our bag to be able to throw against the enemy. And those stones of praise and of worship and of prayer and of fasting and of faith and the stones that we believe that we can take out the enemy with. And God wants to increase you and increase the anointing of God in your life. He wants to do that for every believer. And so as I was praying about this week, I really felt like God took me to story in John chapter 11 about Lazarus and how God really wants to raise things that are dead in our life. And God wants to raise the church to new life. God wants to do something new in us and something alive in us. And so if you don't know the story of Lazarus in John 11, Lazarus um, was a friend of Jesus. Jesus loved this family. He loved Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And uh, Lazarus had taken ill and ended up uh, passing away in the beginning of John chapter 11. And Jesus said, well, I want to go and I want to be there for the family. And Jesus had an agenda. Jesus wanted to do something there. But the disciples were nervous because the Jewish people were trying to kill Jesus. They did not, the Jewish leaders were upset at Jesus. Jesus had done things that had frustrated them, that had made them upset. He had healed people. He had delivered people. And they didn't like that. And so they were trying to kill Jesus. And so picking up the story in verse 8 of John chapter 11, and it says, But his disciples objected for him to go to Judea. They said, Rabbi, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus replied, There are 12 hours in daylight every day. And during the day people can walk safely. They can see because they have light of this world. They have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Let's stop there for a minute. As I said, the disciples were, were afraid. The first thing they were afraid of is they were afraid that Jesus was going to die. Jesus was going to be killed. And so the fear of death had gripped them. They, they were already dealing with the death of Lazarus and the sickness of Lazarus and the impending death. And now... They're afraid that if they go to Judea, that they are going to die. Jesus is going to die. And the fear of death was beginning to grip them. Jesus makes this statement. He said there's 12 hours in the day. And he says 12 hours of light, 12 hours of darkness. And during light, people don't worry. People are free. They, they go around. But during darkness is times when people can be taking down wrong paths and people can be caused to stumble. And what Jesus is addressing in this passage is he's addressing spirits of death. He's addressing a spirit of death, a spirit of death that comes in, it comes into a person, it comes into a city, it comes into a nation. There's a spirit of death that comes in and when death begins to consume our mind, death the thoughts of death and the thoughts of dying will cause us to get into thoughts that are unhealthy. It'll cause us to get into thoughts 
that may even lead us away from the things of God. And he says, there's 12 hours of light, meaning there's, there's times where life is happy, life is good, life is great, but then there's 12 hours of, of night, and nighttime is when you can't see. Nighttime, you don't know what's coming. Nighttime, you don't know, is this going to get worse? Is this going to get better? You know, death and all the spirits that are attached to death, fear and torment and bitterness and anger, and, and all the spirits that are attached to death show up at night. They show up in the middle of the night. Very seldom are people harassed at three in the afternoon, but many people are harassed at three in the morning. Three in the morning, four in the morning is the darkest time for most people because the spirit tries to set in and make you feel like you're going to die or make you feel like whatever is going wrong is going to get worse. It's one of the worst times during the 24-hour period, and Jesus is addressing it, and he says, at night, there is a danger of stumbling because they have no light. The disciples are struggling, Lazarus' friends are struggling, his family's struggling, and Jesus says, if we don't recognize that we are in a season, a night season, and we don't find the light that we need, we could end up stumbling and falling and getting ourselves in a place where we're not healthy. We are not in a place where we are, we are depressed, where we are tormented, where we are discouraged, where we are fearful, where we are in full of grieving and pain and struggle. And he says you have to pay attention to what season, what the enemy is trying to do because those spirits will come upon you and cause you not to see things correctly. Darkness will always cause us to see things incorrectly. Darkness will always play with our eyes. We don't know, if, is, we, is that thing in front of me? Is there something? Am I going to trip? Am I going to fall? Darkness will mess with us. And Jesus hated the spirit of death. He hated it. And I'll show it to you in a, in a minute. Verse 11, he says this. And he said, then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I'm going to go and wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, then he'll soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. And let me just refer, Jesus, this is not the only time death refers to sleeping. We see that also in Thessalonians. We see that it, when we all pass from life to death, God refers to it as sleeping because our soul and our spirit goes on to be with Jesus. So this is not an unusual statement. But Jesus clarified it. And so he told them, he said, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let us go see him. So he just finished saying that. And Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, well, let's go too and let's die with Jesus. And so when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Jesus is dealing with a spirit of death. He's dealing with a spirit that if you don't recognize it, it will take you out. It will cause you to get frustrated. And there are things in our life, there are things in believers' life that could be on the verge of death. There could be health, there could be finances, there could be marriage, there could be children. For some people, 
some of the things that we see that we say, this doesn't, this doesn't look healthy, this doesn't look good, I've got a problem with that. And the enemy begins to play with us about our marriage. He begins to play with us about our family. He begins to play with us about our, our finances. He begins to play with us about our job, our career, whatever it is. And the enemy begins to mess with us and begins to say, you're going to die. You are not going to make it. And when death comes in, it attacks our faith. That's what death does. It attacks our faith. And I believe that's also true for the church. Not only does the enemy attack us individually, he, he attacks the church corporately. One of the things I've noticed more than anything in these last 18 months is the church has been under attack of a spirit of death. And there's a spirit of death that has attacked the church so strong. And I'm talking about the corporate church, the church at large, that many churches have folded up. Many pastors have quit. Many Christians have walked away from their faith. Many people stop believing in Christ. Many pastors stop believing in Christ. And the church has been under attack from a spirit of death and don't even realize it. Many don't even realize that it's been the enemy that's put a cloud on it because I believe the church is not dead, it's just asleep. I believe there's many Christians that maybe look dead, but they're just asleep. And they need to wake up and realize what's going on in, this, in the real world. They need to understand what's taking place. Notice what he says to Mary and Martha. Know what he says, notice what he says, going down to verse 23. And Jesus told her, he's speaking to Martha, he said, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, well, I know he'll rise again, just like everyone else does in the last days. And Jesus said, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? I want to break this down a little bit to understand this. Jesus makes a statement and he says, I am the opposite of death. So whatever death you've got going in your life, you need more of me. Whatever death you've got going on in your family, you need more of me. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am not death. I am alive. I am living. I am moving. I am alive. I have not died. The enemy has not taken me out, nor will he take me out. I will, even if I die, I'll live again. And the enemy is trying to make Jesus appear as though he has no power, he has no authority, and Jesus has no strength. And Jesus is trying to convey to her, wait a second, Martha, do you believe that I am the resurrection and life? Do you just, can I get you just to the place of believing? Because everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And he pushes it back on her, trying to get her to understand, listen, there is more life in me than you realize. And what you think and where you think you are right now, you don't even realize I'm able to raise even your own brother. I'm able to raise that which you've already declared dead. You've already said this marriage is dead. You've already said my children are never going to serve you. You've already said that my finances will never turn around. I'll never have enough. You've already said this job will never work. I'll never be prosperous. You've declared death over something. And he's saying, I understand you've declared this, Martha, but you need to realize I am the resurrection. I am the life. And if you believe in me... And you live in me. You can live 
and not die. So when Jesus, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, he saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger came across him. A deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Jesus hates unbelief. He hates unbelief. He hates when people consume themselves with death and not life. And he finally says, where have you put him? And he asked him. And they told him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much Jesus loved him. But some said, you know, it's too bad. This man healed a blind man. Couldn't even keep Lazarus from dying. Understand, people are going to attack Jesus. People are going to attack the church. You know, it's too bad that that, that didn't turn out better. You know, you know, if Jesus was really alive, he really could have kept this from happening or kept that from happening. I hate it when people blame Jesus for their lack of faith. When they blame Jesus for why he didn't do something they didn't believe he would do anyways. And Jesus then gets upset again. And it says Jesus was still angry when he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Again, he's dealing with unbelief. He's dealing with a lack of faith. He's dealing with people who've already declared their situation is dead. And he's upset and he's upset because they stayed in the, the natural. They've stayed in their own mind and they haven't allowed God to speak. And so many people doubt God. So many people don't believe God. You know, some people say, I believe God, but really they don't. And we can all struggle with lack of faith. We can all struggle with unbelief. When nighttime comes, it comes hard. And nighttime can attack all of our faith. Nighttime can get us all to go sideways in our faith. And we can all struggle in our faith. This is where we have to hear from God. And we have to recognize, even though verse 36 says, He loves us so much. He loves you so much. He cares about you so much. He feels what you feel. He knows what's going on. But understand that Jesus is trying to pour life into us at every moment. Jesus isn't trying to get us consumed with the spirit of death. But notice what he says in verse 39. He says this. He says, roll the stone away. Jesus told them. Martha said, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell is going to be terrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you? that you would see God's glory if you believe. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they believe you sent me. And Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him Go. I want to share five things with you about this passage that I believe can impact the way we think as a church, as believers. I don't know what situation you're dealing with. I don't know what's going on in your own mind, in your own heart regarding stuff in your life. But I do know what's going on in the church at large. I do see 
a spirit of death at work in the church at large. There are people and there are Christians and there are churches that are just, just hiding under the spirit of death. They don't know what to do. They feel paralyzed. They feel overwhelmed. And they just don't have any strength to live. They have no strength to move forward. And I want to give you five principles, five understandings to be able to move forward and to be able to see life come in the place of death. The first one is this. What is Jesus saying about our situation? What is Jesus saying about your situation? What is Jesus saying? I know what everybody else is saying. Oh, it's too bad. Oh, I feel so bad. It's not going to work out. But what is Jesus saying about your situation? What is Jesus declaring over you? What is Jesus declaring? Because I need to hear from God. I don't need to hear from everyone else. I need to know from God what he's saying. What are you saying? Are you saying you're the resurrection and the life for me? Are you saying you're the resurrection and the life for my marriage? Are you saying you're the resurrection and the life for my children? Are you saying you're the resurrection and life for my finances, for my health, for whatever it is I'm dealing with? Are you saying, what is Jesus saying to you? You need to know what Jesus is talking about you and how he's thinking about you. Because when you hear from Jesus, it makes how you pray and how you think different. When Jesus gives me a word and Jesus speaks to me, my mind is different. My focus is different. When I can hear from God and I know that God has spoken to me and he's given me a scripture. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If I don't hear from God and I don't get a word from God, faith doesn't rise up. I can't have faith in faith. I can't have just, well, I've got faith. What have you got faith in? Well, i got faith in faith. Faith in faith doesn't work. I need faith in his word. I need faith in what he tells me. Jesus gives me a word. He gives me a promise. And I know when I have this word, it's something that I can stand on. Even when it's the darkest of the dark, even when it's the worst of the worst days, I've got a word I can stand on. I've got a word that he's told me that he's spoken into my spirit. Well, pastor, how do you get that word? You wait on the Lord. Well, I've asked God to give me a word, but have you waited on the Lord? Have you spent time sitting at his feet and saying, Lord, I just need to hear from you. I just need a word from you. I can't tell you how many times I've done that where I've just sat and said, Lord, I come in with thanksgiving and praise. I pray in the spirit and I'll say, Lord, I just need to hear from you. I just need to know from you. What are you saying? Because my mind, I don't know about you, but my mind can be all over the place. And the truth is, the more time I invest in my spirit, man, the more time I invest with the Lord, the stronger I feel. The more time I invest in the news or social media, the weaker I feel. I don't feel strong. When, and, and if you're paying attention to the news or social media, or even people in general, they can be so depressing and so discouraging that it feels like death is imminent and we're all going to die and we're, none of us are going to make it and we might as well just pack it in now. Why are you guys even bothering to have church? What do you think you're trying to prove or what are you trying to do? All I'm saying is I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to be who God wants me to be. I can't get caught up. Stop getting caught up with people's opinions. 
Stop getting caught up with what everybody thinks you should do. I, I don't care what everybody thinks I should do. Well, you know, people will look down on you. All right, they probably already do. I don't care. I care what he thinks of me. I care what he's saying about me. Because if I don't hear from him, I'm not going to have any strength. See, the reason why we get weak is because we're not hearing from God. And we get weak in our spirit. And then when we try to drum up faith, and we try to drum up believing in God, and we try to drum the stuff up, it's hard to drum up when you're in the middle of the night. If you can drum it up in the middle of the daytime and while you still have plenty of time, when you can build your faith during the day, when the nighttime attacks you, God can speak to you a lot easier. But if you've been going through your days and, you know, my days are good. I don't need to spend that much time with the Lord. Everything's good. I have all that I need. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's strong. My kids, my family, my spouse, everything's good. And then all of a sudden nighttime hits. It'll freak you out. It'll make you feel like everything's going to collapse tomorrow. The enemy knows how to put pressure on us. The enemy knows how to attack you. He knows how to attack your home. He knows how to attack your family. He knows how to attack your children. The enemy knows how to put the pressure on. And you need to know the Lord's voice. This is why we talk about prayer. This is why we talk about fasting. This is why we talk about these things. Because the more you know the Lord and the more you hear from God, the stronger you're going to be. Because the enemy is on the attack. If you haven't noticed, the enemy is on a full frontal attack. He's not even trying to pretend anymore. He's just coming right, both guns blazing, all guns blazing. And he's just coming hard at believers at the church. He's coming hard at the world. He's coming hard at everybody. He, he is the great destroyer. And he's trying to destroy everything and everyone, every nation. There's so much attack going on around the world. What's going on in the Middle East right now? What's going on in Africa right now? What's going on in, the, in Asia and in different countries? It's just off the charts. The enemy is on an assault to destroy people's faith. He's on an assault to bring a spirit of death. And a lot of people are biting. A lot of people are saying, you know, I think the enemy's going to do it. I think he's going to wipe everybody out. And so we get fearful. And when we get fearful, we start stumbling in our decisions. And we start stumbling and start thinking, well, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. My encouragement to you is step one, wait to hear from God. What is God telling you? What is God speaking to you? What is the word you are standing on in faith that he's got for you? Because that's a critical word. Know what he's saying. The second point is this. What is the stone that needs to be removed? Notice what he says. He says, remove the stone. What is the stone of death? What is the stone of unbelief? What is the stone of fear? What is the stone of torment? What is the stone of depression? What stone do you need removed? Because sometimes what we do is when we think something's dead or dying, we roll a stone over it and we don't want to see it anymore. And we're like, yeah, we're done. That's, that's over. And is there a stone on something that Jesus is telling you, you need to remove that? That's unbelief. That's fear. That's torment. That's lies. That's deception. What stone needs to be removed? Because many times we can walk in unbelief and not even know we're in unbelief. Many times we can walk in fear and not even know we're in fear. Why are you in fear? Is he the resurrection and life or isn't he? 
Is he able to deliver you or isn't he? Is he able to provide for you or isn't he? Is he able to meet your needs or isn't he? Is he able to reach your spouse? Is he able to reach your children? I understand that the enemy comes on strong and the enemy attack hard, attacks hard and it looks like you're losing a grip. But understand, you might be losing a grip, but God's not losing a grip. God can keep his hands even on things you don't have your hands on. And sometimes, you know, as, as parents, I think of it as a parent, uh, you know, I, I, I like to keep a grip on things in my family. And, my, and when my kids get older, I feel like I'm losing a grip. And God has to remind me. He said, well, you did dedicate them to me, right? I'm like, yes, sir, I did. I did dedicate him to you. He goes, you do pray for them every day, don't you? I go, yes, I do. Well, you do fight for them every day, don't you? Yes, I do. He goes, they belong to me. Yes, they do. You know, sometimes you don't realize you're walking in unbelief. You don't even realize you're walking in fear or you're walking in torment. And it's messing you up. And it messes up relationships and it messes up. And it's a spirit of death. Because it eventually leads to, in your mind, death. And you see death at the end, and you're trying to keep a grip on something, and you have to hear from God. What has God said? What has God said about your children? I know what they look like, but what has God said? Because you have to understand what he said about your children, your grandchildren, your family. What has God said? And roll away the stone that needs to be rolled away. If it's unbelief, get rid of unbelief. It's fear. Get rid of fear. For some, it's grieving. You're still grieving something of the past. Grief can absolutely cause us to live in a night season forever. And if you don't deal with the spirit of grieving and grief, then you are going to live in that season forever. And you will never believe God for anything ever again. Listen, there are times God does not answer our prayers the way we want him to. I know we think we should tell him what to do, but there's times God answers our prayers the way he wants to answer the prayers. And we have to understand God's ways are perfect. God knows what he's doing. God knows what's going on. I don't understand his ways, but I know his way is perfect. I, I, some of the answers God chooses, I wouldn't choose, but I, who am I to, to tell God what I think? And I have to trust God. And I have to believe God. He knows. His way is perfect. The third thing, can I believe God when no one else does? Can I believe God? Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you the glory of the Lord would come if you believed? Didn't I tell you, what's the glory of the Lord? My manifest presence. Didn't I tell you my manifest presence would come if you believed? Do you believe that I can bring my manifest presence into your situation? Because when Jesus' manifest presence shows up, because it's always, if you, let, me, let, me, let me help, because this is important to understand. It's always about the presence of God. Any situation I'm in, I need his presence. Because if I have his presence, his presence settles my spirit. His presence settles my heart. If I know God is with me, and I know God is for me, and God begins to manifest his presence, 
In his presence, there is peace. In his presence, there is joy. In his presence, there is strength. In his presence, there is love. In his presence, there is healing. In his presence, there is victory. In his presence, there is miracles. If I have God's presence, did I not tell you, Martha, that if you believe, you will see my glory. You will see my presence. You will see my healing. But do you believe? Do you believe enough to bring my presence in? Do you believe enough that my presence can come? Because God responds to belief. God does not respond to unbelief. God responds to belief. And when we will believe God, he will show up. But what many people struggle with is a spirit of unbelief. We don't want to admit that, but we struggle with unbelief. God does not respond to unbelief. He doesn't, you know, you can say, God, I don't think you'll do it. He's not going to say, well, let me prove it. He doesn't do that. He responds to belief, and he wants you to believe. That's why I love somebody like Brother Ted coming, because when Brother Ted comes, he's got a gift of faith, and he operates in a gift of faith. Even if you don't believe for your miracle, he's believing for your miracle. He's got the gift of faith. And just like Martha and Mary didn't believe Lazarus could be raised up, Jesus believed that he could be raised up. There's got to be somebody on earth that believes God. Somebody on earth that says, God, I believe you can turn this around. I believe you can change my spouse. I believe you can change my marriage. You can change my children. You can change my financial situation. You can change my health situation. You can change my job. Somebody's got to believe God is going to show up. God is going to do something. Do you believe is the question. Do you believe? Do I believe God is going to show up or am I just hoping that I'll get lucky that God will show up and saying, well, God, maybe you'll love me enough and you'll show up. And I don't I'm not praying for luck. I'm not praying for for God. I, I, I hope you love me enough. He's no respecter of persons. He loves us all. He doesn't respond to who loves him more. He responds to who believes him more. Do I believe He'll show up. Do I believe he can do it? The fourth thing. What name do you need to call out? What name do you need to call out? Notice what Jesus did. Jesus looked inside this dark place. This tomb. The stone had been rolled away. Lazarus was still dead. Lazarus was still in the tomb. Lazarus was not moving. And it was dark, it was smelly, it was not a place that spoke of life. But Jesus spoke these words. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Now understand what Jesus did. If Jesus had just said, come forth, all of the dead would have risen. So Jesus was specific. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And not only did he say, he shouted it, Lazarus, come forth. And understand there was a confidence in who he was as the son of God. There was a confidence that God had already revealed to him because Jesus said, I don't do anything unless my father shows me I can do it. So he had a confidence in that what was he was going to speak was going to come forth.
And as we spoke those words, Lazarus, come forth. See, what some of us need to do is we need to start speaking, husband, wife, come forth. We need to speak finances, come forth. Healing, break forth. Deliverance, come forth. We need to start speaking. Instead, what some people do, instead of speaking it to come forth and bring life, we pile on more death. How many times have you spoken death over a person or a situation? Oh, you'll never change. You're always an idiot. I can't stand you. You drive me crazy. Y'all, y'all drive me crazy. Y'all just go to your rooms. Y'all drive me crazy. And you're speaking death. Oh, my kids, oh, they're just like their mother. Well, in this case, it's a good thing. But we say things intending and we add death rather than, child, come forth. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. I don't know where you've been, and you may smell a little right now, but I'm calling you out of that stinky place. I'm calling you out of that place of death. I'm calling you out of that place of despair. I'm calling you out of the place Satan intended to bury you in. I refuse to roll the stone over you. I pull the stone back and I'm going to begin to call you out of that place of darkness, out of that place of despair, out of that place of sickness. Well, you don't know the sickness, the report they got. Yeah, the report they got might be real. It might be a real sickness. But God can still heal. God can still deliver. God can still set people free. What are you speaking? And if you don't call them out, who's going to call them out? If Jesus didn't call Lazarus out, Lazarus wasn't getting up. Somebody had to call him out. Somebody had to call him from his place of death. Somebody has to call your marriage out, has to call your children out, has to call your finances out, has to call your health out. Somebody has to keep declaring and keep believing God is healing you. God is setting you free. God is restoring your body. God, you are the healed of the Lord. You are the restored of the Lord. God is touching your mind. God is touching your God is delivering you. You are not that drunk. You are not that drug addict. You are not that person. Somebody's going to call you out and say, you aren't that. That's not who God said you are. I am the resurrection and the life. Somebody's got to believe. Somebody's got to declare it. If you don't declare it, who will? God's word is living, breathing. It will cause life to come out of every death. God can raise those who look like they are dead and they have no life in them. God can cause those that are on the edge of death to come to life like that. But Jesus says, if you believe. And that's what frustrated Jesus so much. That's why he got mad so much. He hated the spirit of death. He hated death because it brought such fear and such torment and such unbelief. And it brought such grief and pain and sorrow. And he hated the spirit of death because as soon as death sets in, people stop believing. As I look at the church at large, I've been speaking to the church, wake up. I've been speaking to the church, 
come forth. There's so many people that are trying to bury the church. There's so many people that are trying to bury Christians. There's so many people and spirits that are trying to cause Christians to run and hide and die. And I've been calling the church forward. I'm speaking life over Rochester. Rochester, come forth. New York, come forth. Who's going to do it if we don't do it? Who's going to call life? Rochester's full of death. Rochester's full of destruction. Who's going to call life to those things that are dying? Our kids got to stop dying on the streets. Our kids got to stop committing suicide. Who's going to call life into it? Stop blaming politicians. Stop blaming everybody else. Realize you have the power of life and death in your tongue. If we believe, all things are possible. If we believe, all things are possible. Jesus is calling, this is the last thing, for the church to arise. Jesus is calling for the church to arise. That's us. We've got to arise. Well, I don't know what about every other church. I don't know what every other church is doing. All I'm doing is trying to get the church to arise and the church to realize who we are in Christ. We're the beloved of the Lord. Listen, I'm here as long as God wants me here. I'm here until God says, your time is over, Steve. I'm taking you home. And as long as I'm here, I'm here. And when my time is over, he will take me home into a more glorious, wonderful place. But until that day, I'm going to keep kicking. I'm going to keep screaming. I'm going to keep yelling. I'm going to keep shouting because there's a world that is sick. There's a world that is dying. There's a world that's going to hell. Rochester has to be saved. I can't believe this is the end for Rochester. I can't believe this is the end for America. America has to come forth. There has to be a move of God. I don't care who's in office. I don't, care. I don't get caught up with all that death talk. I just want God to move. I want God to raise up the church. I want God to raise up America again. And I want God to raise up the Middle East. And I want God to raise up Asia and God to raise up Africa and God to raise up. Why are we speaking death? There's life that if we got a hold of God's word and the church woke up and the church rose up, if we believed, we would see the glory of God. I don't know if you realize this, but literally there are thousands of people coming to Christ every day around this country. There are revivals that are taking place all around this country. There are tent meetings that are happening in all parts of this country. There are things that are going on in churches, people being healed, people being delivered, people being set free by the power of God. There's people coming to life. There's marriages being restored. There's people coming off of addictions and, and depressions and, and all these other things. God is doing so. See, when it gets the darkest... Sometimes it can only come to God. And God loves being the hero of the story. He wants to be the hero because there's sometimes you can't solve it. You, listen, any of us who've been married long enough know you can't change that person. You cannot change. I can't change her and she can't change me. She knows it and I know it. The only one that can change us is him. And we have to realize that the power of God is in us that the anointing of God, and sometimes we get so worked up about trying to change somebody and trying to do something that we can do in our own strength. And he's saying, come to me, all you who are laden and heavy burdened, 
I will give you it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, if I can just set myself in the mind of God, I can set myself in the joy of God. I can set myself in the strength of God. If I can just believe, I honestly believe there's a great awakening coming to the church. I honestly believe. Uh, I, I, I'm standing here swinging every week because I'm believing God's moving around Rochester. God's moving around the world. And I'm believing every week. I'm standing here strong, fighting, because I want to see more people set free. I want to see more people delivered. I want to call more people out from death to life. I believe as we use our voice, as we continue to believe, as we roll away the stones, we will see God do the miraculous in our day. I believe it. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.